Welcome to A Time to Thrill. This is me, your host, Amy Austin. I have been on a little bit of a hiatus while I've been traveling. It's difficult to keep recording and keep moving around in time zones and all that. This month, I am gifting you with a special encore presentation of my interview with romance author Sinithia Williams. The thing that has amazed me is watching um, Sinithia's career blossom. We started out at the same publisher, oh my god, probably uh, 12, no, 12, 12 years ago. <laughs> I'd like it to be yesterday. And she has moved on to write these like lush and great romances and her book out on August 15th is called The Secret to a Southern Wedding and it has gotten rave reviews. It's been an Amazon top romance pick before it's published. So if you love romance, small town southern romance, um, run on out and get it. But I do want to share this interview with you again because one of the things we do talk about is the I don't call the difficulty, but some of the hurdles in romance publishing and especially um, as women of color. And she has surpassed many of those hurdles to do something that I think is really special. So if you haven't heard before or you're ready to listen again, check that out. In the meantime, I'm recording this actually in Budapest. I just closed the windows because... As, as quiet as this is, um, there is traffic noise. Um, I think the street that I live on in LA is much quieter. So um, actually, the street I live on here is quieter. My windows face a noisier side. Um, so I live in a lovely, quiet, one-way, tree-lined street with no traffic. But the way the building is oriented, the windows face a street where there is a regular, uh, something we call a trolley bus, that comes by every 10 minutes in two different directions. Um, while I'm here, I am putting the finishing touches on The Murders Began. It's, it's one of the most, I don't want to say complicated books I've ever written because I have to pull together all of the elements of the first uh, two and a half, as it were, three books um, in the Nicole Long series. And Nicole Long is up against it. She's having a hard time. And her managing her sobriety, as it were, or her um, alcohol problem, as well as dealing with the machinations of someone who is ready to do her in is no small feat. So, (laughs) but you know what? You'll have it in your hands um, in February. I promise you that that it'll be, it'll, it'll all be um, well, good and done by then. Um, In the meantime, going through and making sure there are no loose ends is basically a full-time job. Um, What else? So I will be back probably in September or October. I have a lovely list of authors I can't wait to speak with, and I can't wait to share their stories and inspiration with you. Until then, enjoy this encore interview with 
romance author Sanithia Williams. Hi, and welcome to A Time to Thrill. I'm so excited. This month, I am featuring romance author Sanithia Williams. Hi. Hello. It's so good to have you. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I have followed your career since we started together. Oh my God, like probably 10 years ago. <laughs> I know it crept in. Oh my I, God, it was like forever ago. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. Um, but we share that background. Yay. Um, <laughs> but you've kept writing romance. Actually, I think I just stopped writing romance three or four years ago and I only write um, legal thrillers now, but that's not before I wrote a whole bunch of them. So I, <laughs> um, sometimes I say this podcast should be called, I have so many questions because I'm really intensely curious about people, which is why probably I write books, but the curiosity spreads, spreads outside of that. And I, I have, I get that. I get um, that yeah. you know, so I, every person like I've encountered over the last, I don't know how many years, I'm like, I have so many questions about how their life goes, but you know, you can't ask that. So then you have a podcast and you can. So, um, very smart of you. Very, very smart. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for doing this. So, um, let to give, I guess, listeners a little background. So, well, at least for me, my my knowing you has to do with um, being published by Crimson. It was the first publisher that published, uh, for me, two romances in 2012 and 2013, I want to say. I believe I signed the contracts in 2011, but I believe they came out in 2012 and 2013. And so how were those your first books? They were. Um... <clears throat> And it was twenty, yeah, twenty twelve, which is gosh, ten years ago. It is. Um, that went by so, so fast. freaking fast. I know, but yeah, it was. Those were my first books with Crimp. Um, first romances that were published ever was with Crimson. I had um, made the decision about two thousand ten to seriously, and I'm making air quotes with my fingers, to <laughs> seriously write. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not just going to scribble on these books here and there, and then one day dream of being a published author. And right. so. 2010 is just when I say, yeah, let's, let's do this for real. And so I, I finished a book that I had been working on for years. I don't, I don't even know how long and put it out there. I did not at the time, I did not think I wrote stories that traditional publishing would be interested in, but I also did not think I had the time or energy to go independent. And mm-hmm. so I thought, oh, these digital first book prints these these publishers is, is who I need to go with so it's kind of like I'm not worried about breaking the you know the traditional what were they the big five or big six or whatever they were back it then. may have been more than six back then but yeah I know it may have been more back then I was like I don't have to worry about trying to break into New York like an actress breaking into Hollywood right. I don't need to worry about doing it all on my own I can you know go this route and so I I particularly look at publishers that were like Crimson. And that was around the time a lot of these digital imprints were coming up. And um, I had a couple of offers, but I really was excited about what Crimson was doing at that time because Mm -hmm. they seemed to be really excited about romance and wanting to put um, books out frequently. And even the editors I had then, I still follow some of them online now because they were so helpful with kind of developing my earlier writing style so yep those are my first books that that they did wait when was you can't is it you can't find me love no what was it i remember the cover 
Yeah, that was the first one. And that was that was the 2012 book. That was the very first one, August of 2012. Like okay. I just celebrated 10 years published wow, okay. um, that last August. I, I remember the cover so well. I remember so many of those covers very, very well. I don't know, I know. why, but I do. I will <laughs> never, like they're imprinted in my head. So, I mean, I know you've changed covers and all that, but those ones are still, I can see it in my head. Those are still there. So did you end up publishing three with Crimson? That's my best memory, but I could be wrong. I actually ended up doing seven with them. Oh, I did, um, maybe I tuned out after three. I mean, not you, but I just may have <laughs> tuned out in life. I know with everything it was so much going on so it was the first three i did you can't plan love worth the weight and heart to heal and then oh, worth I the wait. Shopping... I remember that. sorry yep yep i was shopping around um what later was just my type i don't know what it was originally titled when i was shopping it around and i had an agent at the time who i am no longer working with i don't think she was really jiving with my writing style or whatnot and so it was after me and that agent kind of split I think I went back and offered um just my type to Crimson and then I did that four book series with them as well so it was seven books total wow okay so I have a lot of questions but we need to go back so I I asked this of everyone because actually I'm gonna say this people's stories have turned out to be very similar but what how did you start reading or consuming romance um, very cliche is of the 13 year old. I've been reading romance since I was a teenager. <laughs> you hear a lot of romance authors say. Um, I, I did the going to the library. I grew up in a small town in South Carolina. Um, been in the South, been in South Carolina my whole life. And our library was where I would go and they would have like, you know, romances in the well, turning turnstile. I remember the, little, so, the yep, spinny cart. Yeah. Spinny cart thing. Yeah. <laughs> And I would I would get some from the library and then I realized, oh, they have this neat little card in the middle where if I fill stuff out, I get mail in like at twelve fifteen. Oh. Of course you want mail to come to you to your house. And so I filled out the little card and I probably never paid my fees. They <laughs> <laughs> sent me my first three books and and that's just kind of how it started at the library and then filling out that little card and those Harlequin books to start getting some free books. And um, also growing up in a small town, we had a flea market, but we didn't call it a flea market. This is really country. We call it the jockey lot. And so- you Oh my God, I've never heard that before. Sorry. I know. I don't know anybody else who says that. I've even asked other country folks and they don't know it. So <laughs> I just meant specifics for our area. But we go to the flea market or the jockey lot and they had this guy there who just had books and you could get as many books as you wanted for like five dollars in a bag and I just remember my parents would let me just come home with this huge bag full of books and it was mostly pre-owned books or whatnot Uh and I would kind of go home read the bag and I immediately sort it to yes I'm going to read this maybe after I'm done with the yes stack and no I'm never going to read these because I didn't read them at the flea market right. I just shoved them all into oh, the bag so wait 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 okay I have to ask you what was your criteria for the bag shoving it had to be the cover um because at the flea market um, it wasn't really the category. So that's when I really started reading historicals. So ah, it was like the historicals. Okay. And then if there was a historical that looked, or, or a cover that looked not historical, like there would be some of those futuristic kind of mm-hmm. thick romances from the zebra imprint mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that looks weird. Shoving in the bag. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, that looks like, you know, 
somebody on a horse, you know, shove that in the bag. I did not want to read like um, Southern Confederate kind of historicals because I mean, grew up no, I don't, I don't read those. But yes. Yeah. So I was just like, I wouldn't put those aside. I didn't really read a lot of <clears throat> westerns. Um, I didn't want those. I shoved those to the side. So it was mostly a lot of futuristic or the Regency England kind of stuff is what I was shoving to the bag and then separate when I got home. Wow. Okay. So, okay. So the, did the library then have the category and then the flea market have the, every, I won't say everything else? Yeah, pretty much. The library had the category. And then um, once I discovered I can get tons more books for like just a few bucks at the mm-hmm. flea market, that was, I was mostly let's go to the free market every weekend. It was oh. a joy. <laughs> okay. So my, so, so you don't have, so it wasn't your mother, grandmother, aunt, older sister. So you don't have that um, particular. So then what was it do you think about the romances in the little spinny carousel that caught your attention? I think it's just because I've always been like that, that girl who loves love. I remember um, in kindergarten, you know, having a quote-unquote, you know, Sinithia and the little boy that she likes, and, like, we're having a fantasy wedding at indoor recess when it rained, (laughs) and I watched (laughs) soap operas with my grandmother when they babysat me, and being like, oh, I want to love, like, Bo and Hope, or, you know, like, I was always that person who enjoyed romance and happy stories, and, and so when you read romance, you get that happy story. It's, it's, it's going, you may go through stuff, mm-hmm. but you know, we all know at the end, you should get a happy ending <laughs> now and you happy sigh and you close the book and you're like, Oh, the world is a little less bleak today because that book brought me so much joy. And I think that's what it was. I was just enjoying the romance of it. And I will admit as a, t- as a preteen or whatnot, I did enjoy the ones that did have like, good <laughs> We did, and they they amped up about the time I hit puberty, which was, I think, convenient um, given my age. So, oh, I I just, okay, so what, okay, after, let's say, now that you could look back, what were the tropes or themes that caught you the most? Let's see. Um, I think it's probably some of the tropes that still catch me. Um, well, if there true. was a, a love triangle of some sort, mm-hmm. you know, you're with, you. Ha- duty says you should be over here with this perfect person, but then the rake comes along <laughs> and he's who you really want to be with. Right. And you have to do that. Um, I always liked brother's best friend kind of stuff you know I've always loved you from afar and you finally noticed me today (laughs) 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 and we can be happy together I I like those um and yeah I like the alpha a-holes I was really big on that Ah. coming up and even to a certain extent now I notice that when I watch some k-dramas and I'm like oh he's a jerk you should definitely be with him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I i watch those as well so i i, I know how that goes um the more yeah, yeah. Off, the better, but that's a whole conversation so what so then because to me this seems like a big leap okay so romance is this like four billion dollar industry clearly lots and lots and lots of people read them but obviously a much smaller percentage write them so what 
gave you the, I don't know, the confidence, the wherewithal? What was it in you that said, I should write these? Um, I've always been a, a writer too. I have um, somewhere in this messy office, a book I wrote, well, a book, a story I wrote in like fifth grade. I remember writing a story in first or second grade and I made the cover out of wallpaper. I've always been a scribbler of stories and making stuff up. And in high school, I was handwriting a romance novel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And I still have those. I wrote two books in high school. They're 300 pages written single space um, notebook paper. I still have those books that I wrote. Wow. But what got me in high school is that I'm just sitting there writing my story. And then somebody's finally like, so what you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm writing a book. And like, let me read it. And I'm like, sure, whatever. And then it got to the point where I would finish a pa- writing a page because, you know, we're mm-hmm. not doing math. Cynthia's <laughs> writing. Mm-hmm. And I'd finish a page and somebody next to me would be like, give me that page. And then they read it as soon as I finished the page. Wow. Um, and I think that was probably maybe the first time I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll be a writer one day. But, you know, mm-hmm. you go to college, you get married, you have kids, you get jobs. Mm-hmm. And so the romance writer dream goes on the back burner. But even when the dream... <clears throat> went on the back burner. It never went away. I was still scribbling stories and having ideas and I'll write a chapter or start a book and then just save it and go on and do life again. Right. But what coalesced in 20, whatever, let's say the, the, the 2010, 11, 12 years. It was the, um, it was a friend, well, a, a coworker, we were at lunch that day and me and her worked very closely together on projects at work and so I, I really enjoyed working with her and then she said oh I put in my resignation today I'm moving to somewhere and I'm going to law school and, and I was just floored like what mm-hmm. we don't do law like we, we do environmental stuff why are you going to law school <laughs> and she was said that she was talking to a guy who's doing environmental law and she said that's so cool I really wish I could do that and he looked at her and said you can do it why not and so she thought that is true why not and Mm -hmm. so she moved her whole family she's going to law school because the guy said why not and her conversation struck me because even though I don't want to go to law school not for not seriously Mm -hmm. but I wanted to write and it just kind of hit me like well I don't want to go to law school right now but I do want to be a writer and I need to quit talking about it and let me just do it and so I always credit to that going to lunch with Megan that day and her saying yeah I'm going to law school so you know Mm -hmm. and I was like you know what I I think I came home and told my husband the story and I was like yeah I'm gonna finish that book that I've been working on and and I'm gonna actually try to get it published and he said cool do it Mm -hmm. and so and so I did I uh, researched publishing Um, I'd always seen romance writers of america in all those books i had been reading for years that's so I said, true. Yeah. let's figure out what this is you know <laughs> <laughs> let's go figure find those people and let's join and oh i should i'm like one of those planners if i'm gonna be a writer i should join writer groups right. and so i found writer groups and it was like i should get writer's digest magazine because that's a book about a magazine about writing i'm that person mm-hmm. so all the stuff that i could find and start consuming to learn more about how to write, how to publish. That's what I started doing. And that's how I ended up making the decision of, 
indie versus traditional versus digital imprints and how I wanted to write. And let me find books. Let me find books about how do you write romance novels mm-hmm. and how do you write novels and all that. So, oh, I need to be on social media. Let me get books on that. I read Twitter for Dummies. Like, let me figure <laughs> out how to think about Twitter that just came out. So that was me. I just took a very, like, I take a lot of stuff. I took a very methodical, if I want to do this, let me learn what I need to do in order to make it happen. Okay. That's, that is so amazing. Cause it, it's that kind of spark. I had that kind of spark. I was just thinking about this guy um, named Chris. Uh, he divorced somebody I knew, but one day we were talking about, I was like, he was just studying. I don't know where it was a coffee shop. And I ran into him. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm studying yoga teacher training. I'm like, I've always wanted to do that. And he's like, so why don't you do it? And I was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, but sometimes, sometimes people just clear the way for you. They're like, why not? And you're thinking, I don't, I literally didn't have a good excuse. I think I went and signed up the next day. Like I just literally, yep. when he said it, I was like, well, that's a good question. I'm going to get this coffee and run away. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, that's exactly how I felt like, yeah, if I really want to do this, why can't I? All right, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so what, oh, let me say this. So when you did the Crimson and you said you stayed for seven books, what was, what year was the last one you did with them? I don't. Oh, geez. I can't even remember. It was probably, um, 2014, 2015 ish. Mm-hmm. I think my last book with Crimson came out at the same time I was writing. A, I, I think I was working on my last Crimson books when I started working on my first Kamani's. So that was probably about 2014, 2015 when oh. the last one came out. Okay. So I have to ask you this because I have so many questions about this. How did you come to write for Kamani? So let me say this. I have a lot of feelings. Um, so maybe <laughs> I should get that out. So when I was like, I don't know, 13, 14, 15, I don't know. I think I was in middle school. My mother said she came home. So I used to read romances by the bucket. I'd be at the used bookstore. I'd be at the library. I'd be at, um, they call them tag sales where I live, the garage sales. Um, and so I would go to these tag sales and I would, you know, come home with a bag of books for a couple of bucks or whatever. So my mother comes into my room and she was like, there are no black people in any of these books. And I was like, that is hundred percent true, but this is what's available. And so she brought me a Kamani book, but Kamani was independent, an independent publisher before they were purchased mm-hmm. by Harlequin. So I read them at that time. Um, and then who knows what happened, but I will say this about Kamani. One of the issues I had with it is that that was the category line for like black romances for Harlequin. Mm-hmm. But what, I'm a trope reader. So what I always found difficult because my mother or other people would say, well, why don't you read them? And I picked them up because I felt so guilty that I wasn't reading um, books about <laughs> black people written by black people. Oh my God, the guilt. So I picked them up. But the issue I had is that I liked, I'm going to be like, I, I'm very specific. I like, like, I have two like Harlequin lines I would read like Blaze or whatever. And mm-hmm. I had a very specific thing. I wanted like these four tropes, like friends, the lovers, like, you know, captured whatever um yes no whatever and I was very specific and I needed a certain level of heat and the issue that I'd had with Kamani is that when I opened the book I didn't know what I was gonna get and a lot of time they were like billionaires I don't do billionaires and so (laughs) and I was like but this is not what I want so it was hit or and the heat levels were hit or miss sometimes the religious themes were hit or miss and I was like this is like all over the place okay so these are all my feelings now let me I'm done talking about my feelings so what but this is later so i'm gonna be honest i don't 
I think I, I, I don't read, I read a lot, but I haven't read a Kamani book in a long time. So what was the shift? Okay. So how did you decide to write for them? Because Harlequin, everything you're saying, yeah. I felt it. <clears throat> I didn't read Kamani's, <laughs> you know, they say, read what you're going to try to write for. I didn't read Kamani's. As a matter of fact, I never looked at Harlequin when I first started. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were going to take me seriously. Um, because my Crimson books, were a higher heat level and they messy like I write messy stories sometimes mm-hmm. and they're not perfect characters and I think um at the time the Kamani requirements were even like the I don't even remember the wording but it was basically these have to be super perfect awesome black people that can never make mistakes <laughs> there's no yeah. babies out of wedlock you know it's mm-hmm. like none of that stuff that I would throw like <clears throat> mm-hmm. in my books you can do in a Kamani um and they had actually because the the agent I had previously, or, or maybe I did, I don't remember, 10 years ago, stuff blurs, but they had rejected um, one of my books mm-hmm. that I think I sent just as, it was sent as a one-off, not like a, yeah, let's see, but they don't want my stories. Right. <laughs> and um, there was a contest one day that Kamani was holding, like a writer of Kamani and, and pitched something. And I was like, Kamani doesn't want my stories, but let me um, pitch this ridiculous wild idea that I got because I was deep in the throes of Idris Elba fandom Okay, (laughs) and I was like what if you want to date with Idris Elba in New York City and fell in love wouldn't that be amazing Mm -hmm. and so I just kind of like wrote that up and sent it in like watch they take this like this is not my serious story this is just Samithia thinking that this is something super fantasy that you know mm-hmm. they may go for but and they took it and I was like oh for real <laughs> I was just kind of playing around because <laughs> I didn't think and because there wasn't a lot of places for black romance writers to go mm-hmm. then you know you had Kamani and then you have Kensington's Davina line right and those were like only two black black folks only mm-hmm. and it's the same thing you say it's like the whole mixed bag you just throw it in there you got to you got a prince book, you got a, a sports person, you got a billionaire. Let's just throw them all together. We don't care. It's just because they're black. I know. And you're like, this is not, well, for me, this is, I, but I don't want that. I want this, you know, but that's mine. Right. <laughs> and there may be one in that batch that came out that month. And then you don't see it again for two more months before the next one comes out. So there were very specific Kamani authors that I read. Mm-hmm. I did not read everybody who wrote for Kamani, but there were specific people who I knew I liked their stories and I could, I like their writing style. And so those were the only Kamani authors I really read. So I didn't just read everybody across Mm -hmm. Kamani. And they took the story, which surprised me. Mm -hmm. And then they said, we also want you to write three more books for us. And I was, at the time, I had broken up with my agent. I really didn't have any kind of other plans on the horizon. And I was like, sure, I can expand the story he's got two friends I can write their you know mm-hmm. series are born from the main characters having friends mm-hmm. and I wrote the two other I wrote his two friends and then the third friend because he was a basketball player um they offered a three or f- no four more book deal and this is the thing with Kamani which I realized now looking back mm-hmm. they were notorious for being like take this four book contract <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and we're gonna get you on the long haul for four books you know every six months they, they were good at that of being like here's three book contract here's a four book contract and I think that's how they just kind of kept things going but uh, okay. when they offered the four books I was already the third person in the first three books I was like oh well he's a basketball star so I can just write out the rest of these I was very um lucky that Kamani really didn't try to um hamper my writing style much now I do have some readers who when they read my indie books and they read my crimsons when they got to my Kamani's and it was toned down a little bit more they were kind of like <laughs> this isn't this isn't what we wanted Sneethia but like we still like your writing but we didn't you know it's not as out there right. um as some of your other stuff um which I got that but I knew that was part of writing for Harlequin the Kamani line yeah. and yeah for Harlequin um they even in one of the books which is the one that you know people really like Garden His Heart it was um, one of the sports ones when I turned in the proposal he's got four kids by two baby mamas right mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Kamani the, the editor was like I don't like this. Can you take this away? And I'm like, nope. It's already been established two books ago that this dude got four kids, two baby mamas, so y'all gotta publish it. (laughs) So that was like the end of that argument. And that's probably the only hard stance I really had to take. I'm like, I'll I'll tone back some of the language and I'll um, still make it spicy, but not too spicy. So I felt like I was still able to write the kind of story that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just knew that because I was writing for that line, it may not be as as messy as the stuff I had written previously. So can I ask you this? So how many books did you end up writing for Kamani? Three, seven okay. for them as well. And yeah. so were you with them? How can I say this? Were you with them when they closed the line? Or were you at that? Yes. End? Okay. So had they, yeah. had they gone to, this is, I, I may be conflating this with another line because obviously I know a lot of authors, but for your line, did they go to E only before they closed and then stopped doing, or no? No, they did print. And then actually my last Kamani book came out as a, as a double printing. So they put my book with somebody else's book. I'm looking around my room. I don't easily see it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they, that's what they did for like that last line of us. Okay who were coming out for that that last year um they did just do like a two for one and they put two books together and they put them out which again was infamous for Kamani because it's like I I don't know if they always said these two authors write the same kind of story let's just put their books together Mm -hmm. um it's still the these authors books were coming out of this time we're gonna put them together and kind of put it out there yeah yeah I remember well I remember all of that so what okay so I guess, okay, I have two questions, but let me start with the first. When you were writing for Kamani, what was it like writing for Harlequin? Because most people I know who wrote for Harlequin started there. So the strictures and structure that they had was the thing that they had coming out of the gate. But you had been published, obviously, seven books before you got to Harlequin. So how was it change? uh, How was the editorial how did you manage their their particular, because, okay, let me say this. Harlequin is known for being fairly strict with either word count or trope or kind of character or the baby mama. Like all of these things are known for being fairly strict about what characters can have, do, be. And, but if you started there, it was, you started there. But if, but you starting somewhere else, how was the, 
How was it different? How did you navigate that? that shift? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think um, part of it is I'm really good about playing by the rules. I'm, I'm that person. Okay. If, if the teacher says we have to read this and do this pro- thing by the end of the day, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those people. Um, and so when I did the one-off, yeah, this is just Elba fan fiction story, and they took it and then offered, I knew, okay, if I'm going to accept this deal, then I have to play in in the sandbox right. now. So I, I knew I had to prepare myself for playing in that sandbox. I was very fortunate, or maybe I'm just, I don't know. I was very fortunate in that the editors I had the comments they gave back weren't comments that made me want to bang my head against the wall. Like okay. The closest one was when they were like, um, I don't like this. Can he not have these baby mamas? Right. I was too late. <laughs> but the other stuff, you know, if they, if I put a curse word in or if I called, um, if I didn't use shaft, but use, I don't know how, how much cursing you allow, but if I, yeah, if I said dick yeah. versus shaft or something, they're like, no, you can't use dick. Um, <laughs> then I played this game of let's sneak dick in my books. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, see if they can find it. And the ones they found, okay, I changed it. And the ones they didn't find, I just leave. Yeah. So I would play that kind of little <laughs> I would play that game. Um, of what can I sneak in the book? But the like curse word problem, I didn't have a problem with that to tone down the cursing. And the word count restriction, for me, um, we talked about it a little bit before we got on about how I work full-time. Mm-hmm. Having the workout restriction as a full-time, uh, full-time worker and uh, writer is kind of good because... I need deadlines. I need structure because if I'm working during the day, my writing time is very focused and structured to make sure I get it done. And so it actually felt easier because my other books were 75, 80, Mm 90,000 words. And then my Kamani is like, oh, all you need is 50? (laughs) Yeah, I got you. You know, so it's just like (laughs) I I could sit down and focus. I can get this 50 word novel out. Um, I also, with both of the the series they took, there were stories that um, I had pitched. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a, a Harlequin author, and I'm still not a Harlequin author who's gotten the, we want you to write the story, and we're going to give you the outline, and you fit it. Yes, it comes Everything. with a heavy Bible. We used to be paper, yeah. I don't know what it is now, but yes, yes. <laughs> right, right. I, I never got that offer, and so I was able to write the stories within the world that I created, and I can make them, still make them the characters I wanted them to create. Um, I actually remember another comment. I think in the last book, The Best Friend was the one who betrayed the heroine um, because she it was a it was a brother's best friend story and the best friend did not want her with her brother mm-hmm. um because she thought if you're now my brother's girlfriend or then you you can't be a full best friend to me because now my secrets are automatically his secrets right. because there's no secret between people in relationships right. and i did have an editor who who said i don't know if i like the 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 friend is saying this i can't would you consider it? And I said, no, this is based off of a real conversation I had with some colleagues. So this is real people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And they backed off. They left them wow, and okay. they let me keep that in there. Um, so that's probably the only other one. So maybe you're me. bolder because I know people who were upset, but I don't think anybody I knew actually pushed back. 
Um, so, you know, like, you know, I mean, we're adults. So basically we're talking about how we're upset, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, then they go write the book, you know what I mean? Like, you know, because, you know, as adults, you got to keep, sometimes keep all your feelings, you know, you, you got to deal with that conversation yeah. with your friends before you go back and not act like you're crazy. So I, <laughs> so I realized maybe they never pushed back. I'm going to have to ask about that because I have a number of friends who wrote for Harlequin and had those complaints, but I don't think they felt that they had the agency to push back. And this is like 20, 25 books. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Okay. That's just an interesting thing. I'll keep it in my head. So one thing I was, so when I was looking, okay, I have not read all of your books. I have read like two crimson books. I mean, there's like 25 of them. I don't expect everyone to have read all of them. <laughs> um, I, trust me. I get it. So what, let me see this. Okay. So let me, how can I say this? So every time I see that you have like a new book, I'm all like full of pride because I was like, oh my God, she's, she's writing for HQN and she's like a black woman writing for HQN and thank goodness and whatever. So, but that's me back in the corner. But what, how did you end up making the leap to HQN? Because you're the, well, no, there's another Naima. Um, I wrote some books for H just wrote a book. Oh, I don't know. I'm losing track of time. But how did you yeah. make that leap to that single title imprint as it were? That I, I I still am surprised that they took that book. Um, so I had a new agent by then. I was pitching the story. I, I, my Kamani's were done. The line was closed. And I was in that, you know, moment of, oh, woe is me. What shall my writing career now become? <laughs> um, kind of thing. And it was DV Pit, Diverse Pit, or one of those uh, Twitter pitches. And I put out there, you know, and I think the hook was something about a violinist uh, comes home and is swept to her brother's political campaign and realizes she's still in love with her sister's ex-husband or something okay. like that. That's how I pitched it. Wow. And, <laughs> and I was like, because I had this book idea and I was talking to my writer friends and I was like, I want to write this soapy, messy, you know, I grew up on Young and the Restless and God and Light and all that. I want to write that, but with Black people. Mm-hmm. And they were like, do it. And I was like, yeah. And so I'm <laughs> pitching it. And then these publishers are like, oh, no, that's too messy. We don't want that. Or we can't connect to the characters or, you know, mm-hmm. all the jazz they took. Right. And so I, I wasn't, sh- I didn't think anybody was going to write it. I didn't think anybody was going to publish it. Um, because it has such a potentially taboo topic of, you know, sister's ex-husband right. and I had read, read another story I forgot the author's name and I, I read her her book on purpose because it was by a larger publisher and it was the sister's ex-husband trope mm-hmm. and I read the story so I'm like I know it's been done and I know people would do it and I know y'all let a white girl publish it so somebody might take mine but it may be a little bit harder for me mm-hmm. because they're black mm-hmm. um but HQN liked it and um Michelle my editor um she really liked it (laughs) she came back and she was like we want to do this story we want to do this whole series and we love your voice and you know we think you're very similar to like miss jackson and and we want to have you as part of hqn and and i was just kind of like seriously (laughs) me this book oh you do realize it's messy and it's soapy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yes, let's do this then. And that's kind of how it happened. So it, it, it got rejected by some other places. But I, I, again, like the fact that I write for Harlequin right now is a dream of 13-year-old Sneethia getting those Harlequin books right. from the library. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
in 2010, Cynthia, never would have imagined that I would be writing for Harlequin because I did not think I wrote stories that would fit the Harlequin brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess obviously I do because they've published my Kamani's, they've published me HQN. I've switched over to Special Edition. I have some more HQNs coming out next year. Um, so it's just kind of like, you know what, Sneethia, maybe they will write stories that you, they will There have been enough that I think you can be safe on that. So can I, what is it like writing for special edition? So I have read, you know, oh, so we were talking about how we, how you follow authors. There are authors I have followed um, who have written for different, like eight um, different Harlequin lines. And so the only special editions I've read are by authors I follow. Um, and you're like, oh, they're writing this. I'll read this. Um and what I had enjoyed about those books is that they were longer and they had more angst. But that's me. I like angst in romance. Like, angstier, the better. Me too. Um, yes. You know, I read one romance where the conflict was like, they live 35 miles apart. And I was like, that's not, no, no, no. That's, that's, that's not that's enough. Not that's not a conflict. Yeah. Y'all can move halfway in between and we can just cut this. So <laughs> I was. You have to go the Hunger Games to get to him in those 35 miles? I, like, I need something. <laughs> Exactly. I was like, he lives, you live in Cincinnati. He lives outside Cincinnati. I feel like you, if there's not a lot of traffic around there. I feel like you could, you could, you could manage it. You could live in Kentucky. I have, I could find you a house. So, <laughs> so that to me is not conflict, but I like a lot of angst or where they have the same wound, but it's like a different sort of thing. And so how have you liked writing for a special edition? Cause it seems like it may be, I don't want to say more up your alley cause that's not really fair, but it's a line that allows for a little bit more word count and angst. <laughs> yeah. So the, and it's, I swear my career is a fluke, but it's probably not. And I probably should stop saying that, but I felt like it was the same <laughs> way that I ended up with special edition as a fluke. Um, but no, it's not a fluke, Sneethia. Stop saying that because they like it. But I was, you know, the story idea I was pitching around because um, um, I, I, I was still writing the HQNs and HQN didn't want like my ghost ghost investigating story, mm-hmm. which is fine. I get it because I knew, again, almost like with my with the sister's best friend, I knew this is kind of a different idea. Right. I don't know if everybody going to want this idea of um, these three dudes that investigate ghosts. Right. It's a romance, but it's not quite paranormal. Like, eh, I want to write paranormal one day, so let's like dip my toe in it kind of lightly. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if I was going to want it. And I went through the same thing of pitching and my editor, my agent sending it around and some people being like, mm, no, no, thank you. This is not what we're like. We don't, we can't connect all that jazz that they tell you. Mm-hmm. And I had one publisher who wanted it, but what they wanted me to do was turn it into a romantic comedy. And they were going to, they wanted me to redo the whole beginning. And I had just come out of writing two books for Kensington Dafina under a pseudonym because they insisted that I don't publish that. I publish women's fiction under a different name. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that was a, I did not want it. I, I did it as a, Hey, let's see how this works. But I didn't enjoy the process. I love those books. Those mm-hmm. two books I wrote as Nita Brooks. I love them. Mm-hmm. And I'm happily tell people to read my Nita Brooks book, but the process of going through that, I did not enjoy. And so when they came back and wanted me to change my whole ghost investigating stories, I was like, uh, uh-uh, I just came out of this other situation. No. Either take the book as it is or, move on Mm 
Um, and then special edition came back. Uh, my editor there, she was like, I love this story. I think it's great. I don't want to change it. Um, and it just needs to be, what, 60,000 words. Right. And I think my draft was only like 66. And I was like, oh, that's easy. I can cut 6,000. <laughs> um, and I was like, as long as they're good with the story as it is, they don't want me to change it. They like it. And, and they're cool. And I think I needed that after the Kensington experience and after the, um, and the other publisher wanted me to change it. Because mm-hmm. I think I could be funny, but I'm not a romantic, I'm not a romantic comedy writer. I think you know? that's the I mean, hardest I, job. I mean, I know people who do and I don't, I don't, ugh, whatever. I don't understand how they do it, but okay. And I don't want to claim that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I may be funny. You may chuckle as you read my books and you may laugh out loud at some things, but I'm not a romantic comedy writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? That's not my aim. Um, and that's how I ended up with special edition. And I think that's why I've enjoyed writing for them because it's been the same thing. They haven't, um, wanted me to change my story. It's a little bit of some of the, okay, you know, sneak in word, dig it back. (laughs) (laughs) It's still been some of that. And, you know, you know, that's pretty much been it sneaking that word and, and maybe not so much cursing, which I was able to say all that in the HQNs, the single title books. So it was just a reset for that. But the process has been great because they've just let me write the story that I envisioned. Um, Okay. So I'm going to, I did not know about your little women's fiction side, side, side journey. So wait, you wrote two women's fiction. I love women's fiction. It's like my, I don't read it as much because it's the same issue with Kamani. It can be hit or miss. So there's Adirondack chairs on the front, but you don't know what you're going to get on the inside. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it, it, it can be totally hit or miss. Um, but it's really like, I think at its heart, like my absolute favorite genre, because I love like a long, messy story where women have sometimes a romance, but also a lot of other stuff going on. So how did you take this little side trip to women's fiction land? I was pitching um, a romance and it was almost like a spinoff of, so I had my last book in um, that I wrote for Crimson Mm -hmm. from One Night to Forever. And I really wanted to explore that world I had kind of touched on. And so I had a loosely adjacent story that I was pitching. um, And when Kensington saw it, they were like, we want it. But then they said, but we want to make it women's fiction instead of romance. And I've so far in my career, and I think a little bit less now that I've been in it 10 years, I was still in the, okay, I'm willing to give something a try phase of my career. Like, you don't want to make it women's fiction. All right, cool. I knew Kensington was doing that. Mm -hmm. I had seen them do that with some other authors Mm -hmm. say, we want to make this women's fiction or we want to do this, whatever. What threw me was after we went through all that, it was the, we want you to do it as a pseudonym. Hmm, I don't care because that's cool. I get it. You know, romance is one thing. Women's fiction is something else. So readers, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. But it wasn't until we were really into it that my editor was then like, then like, no one must know that Nita Brooks is Sunita Williams. She is a debut author. No uh, connection to Yeah, the whole debut author talking. thing. We, we, this is the thing I know that people have done like five different times. They've been a debut author. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you read books and they're like, debut author, you're like, my foot, because their writing is so amazing. And you're like, I this looks like they have a whole career behind them that we don't know about. But anyway. It was very 
weird and frustrating and so you're Nina not Brooks, the only one but yeah i know Anna, who did it and like i'm on panels at a georgia book event with jasmine gilroy and i'm acting like the newbie and she's the the long-standing author and i'm like no shape, but I've read more books than her, but I can't say that. Like, I have to sit here like, yes, I'm the new girl. You know, so yeah. I, I didn't, that whole experience of being Nita, I didn't enjoy, but I did enjoy the books and I appreciate the readers um, who read those. And I did a book club with a reader group who read The Essence of Perfection and they talked about how the struggles of Nicola and her sister really touched them and made them reevaluate things in their lives and made them cry and I'm like oh my god I was in such a bad place with that publisher when I wrote that book but thank you (laughs) so oh okay so I have two big questions but I guess the first one okay let me I'll save the bigger question for later so when did you come out of the closet as both this as Nita Brooks and Zenithia Williams. My editor left. And when I got a new editor, I said, Hey, and I didn't, and I'd only had two books, a two book contract with mm. them to write um, as Nita. And so it was like, well, my previous editor said that you all didn't want me to do this, but now these books are out and she's gone. Do y'all care? And the answer was like, Oh no, we don't care. Go ahead and do that. You can, you can put your books together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, was this, publisher or was this the editor uh, I, I know, know. <laughs> I'll never have the answer to that question um but yeah so after that then I was like peekaboo hey I mean it was ridiculous RWA 2020 I'm like running around in a wig I'm Nita Brooks at this thing I'm sneaking at something else like I'm at the Kensington party my editor's introducing me to people who know me this oh, is Nita Brooks and they're like yeah. oh we know who she is you know it was yeah. like such a big old mess it was hilarious <laughs> oh my god that's I okay that's a whole oh my that's a whole nother story that, could be a, that would be a lovely comedy um, but I don't write comedy. <laughs> I feel like I, but I want to call like Pippa Grant and like Deanna right now and <laughs> tell Aston the writing. Um, okay. So I, I, the other question I have is about women's fiction. So when I was coming up, a lot of authors wrote for Harlequin, um, category lines and their goal or their ultimate, whatever plan was to write women's fiction, whether for whatever the predestination, I can't remember what it's called right now or something similar, or, so, or something New York, some New York women's fiction. And a lot of them made that transition, um, I don't want to say willingly, but that was the goal. So for you, that was not the goal. No, it wasn't. And it's still not. Um, <laughs> I I would I would revisit Nita. I have people who ask me, would I ever go back and write more stuff? And, and if I ever wrote women's fiction again, I would probably still do it under that name. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know. Um, but my goal I've never I'm just now starting to think really beyond romance I want to write paranormal romance I really want to write like people boning in space or something <laughs> a space for I, I still like romance and I enjoy it and I do feel like because a lot of authors I started with have quote-unquote grown up to other things yeah and I don't want to do it to say it that way but that's sort of at least, okay, in the that's 70s and 80s, yeah. that's how it was characterized. It's like, you have now been shepherded through this tunnel and look at what you can do now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I see that, and I'm very, very happy for them that they have grown into these other genres and they're doing great in those areas. And um, for me right now, and I still work full time, right. 
I'm happy writing romance. I'm good being a romance writer. I, it would be great, yeah, maybe to try something one day, but my goal isn't to grow into a historical fiction author right. or to grow into a women's fiction author mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, that just happens. If, along I, if the it way. does, it will. If, yeah, if it happens, it'll be because this fluke of my career put me there, but. As of, you know, September 2022, it was not because Sanithia planned mm-hmm. <laughs> to turn her career into that. Right. Okay. So the other thing I did want to talk to you about was working full time. So um, I don't know, I was, and I said this to you before the recording, I don't know any other authors that work full time. Of course, somebody's going to call me and be like, what about me? And I'll be like, I forgot. So, because <laughs> I could see that, but I really don't. So what has it been like working full time and then also managing like an entire other career? I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's not as if your, your, your side hustle is like working two to two hours on a Sunday in Walmart where you can just leave it alone when you leave. Right. So it's a, it's, it's one career and then a second whole career. <laughs> I, so before I've I've switched jobs this year and it's like a whole different shift. So before writing was my um, brain cleanser from the day job. Like my day job is, it can be very technical. It's like engineer people. It's like policies and plans. And it's like all this like serious stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I enjoy it. I I enjoyed my day job Mm -hmm. and what I did. And so, and I'm also vested like I started young enough that I can retire at 50 like I'm oh the thing we were just talking about yes (laughs) oh the light is at the end of this tunnel I see it um and so I was able to balance it by I would write on my lunch break or I would sketch out scenes you know if I had a a, a break at work and I would write at nine o'clock at night um and get a thousand words a day and, and all that kind of jazz and my vacations were book fun book events and book uh, things okay and it would help kind of replenish that well mm-hmm. and I would still do like girls trip and family trips and all that but I was able to balance them both and then when people in my day job found out about my writing I've been very fortunate I haven't worked with the jerks or of people like snooty and looking down their nose. Yeah. Everyone has been like, that's amazing mm-hmm. that you do like this stuff. And then you have this whole creative side over here. And they're like, because they're like engineers and policymakers and stuff, they're like, how do you make that work? And so then they're <laughs> impressed. They're like, because I'm awesome. But <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Right. <laughs> but I've in my day job, this year I've progressed to where I thought I wanted to be career wise, but with the um, extra responsibility and time that takes, I am now noticing day job creeping into and tapping some of the creativity and me not being able to focus on the writing as much. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm at this crossroads of, I like writing almost a little bit more than I love the day job stuff, not quitting, still got to retire. And all that, but it is making me reevaluate the tr- career trajectory I had professionally mm-hmm. is no longer what I want. That is um, so interesting. I I wanted. Yeah, because yeah. in middle age, as I'm right in the, st- the middle of myself, mm-hmm. I have noticed that people have 
had, I don't want to say, like they've had that internal conversation where I always wanted to work for, I don't know, pick your large company, or I always wanted this dream job, this dream company, this dream position. And getting it, they realized that either they like their individual contributor role better, or it's more, I don't want to say more responsibility than they want, but it has changed the architecture of their lives in a way that they did not anticipate. And um, yes, yeah, and I don't know. It's just interesting because I feel like sometimes you just don't know until you do it what exactly what, what it'll be, what it will be. So do you think then that you will, so do you have a, so, I, and I was telling you this before we recorded that I know a number of people who are like cops or firefighters or some job that had like a, you know, 20 years and out. And so if you started at 20 by 40 or 45, you were out um, military as well. And so then they, then they did the full-time writing while also having the pension and health insurance that one needs to, you know, because we live where we need to have like a, yeah, you know, know. a backup plan. So, <laughs> um, so do you think that that's sort of the trajectory that you have where at some point then you can have, how can we say this, a safety net, and then also um, dedicate yourself to the creative full-time? Yeah, I think I may um, continue to evaluate how, because I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm gonna keep working. Like the people who know that I write, like, when are you gonna retire and write full time? When are you gonna quit and write full time? And I'm like, I'm not making um, Harry Potter money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry Potter money! I'm not there. I'm, I'm it's like Fifty I'm Shades money. There's so many. Oh yeah, I'm not making Fifty Shades money, right? I'm not that person. Um, I'm just making enough money where I can go to a couple conferences and, you know, mm-hmm. buy me some tiaras, like chill. So <laughs> it's like, um, I'm going to continue to work, but I think what'll probably happen is that I may, um, my day job focus may shift, shift a little bit, um, and so that I can make it through to retirement. And I would, when I retire, I don't even know if, if I retire from my day job, if I will stop working I'm almost kind of that person who may still work somewhere else like I have this dream of being a full-time writer but I need a little bit of structure and I don't know and that's (laughs) what I was going to ask you because you know so with the indie boom a lot of people did quit their jobs to write full-time and not everybody could handle the shift Uh, yeah so let me say this well I never really worked full-time for a long time I the longest I worked for time was like a few years and so I'm the I'm the wrong person and I work for myself so then you know I can do what I want so so the shift for me wasn't hard but I'm a fairly structured person but I have found that people I don't know if it's the structure or the they felt like they had to be more prolific like it was very intimidating to go from whatever to full-time creative yeah I I want to be like my dream of like let me retire and then I want to write full-time and I want to be that person's perfect part-time admin assistant (laughs) (laughs) I just want to reserve the conference room and make sure everybody knows it's Joe's birthday and it's cake in the break room like I don't want any I just want to be able to show up and like do my little thing and then leave like that's probably what all I would want that's like my vision of I, I still would and I, I get it from my dad. He can't sit still either. Mm-hmm. And my mom always tells me I can't sit still. So I, so I think that I would still have to have something part-time somewhere just for the structure of it. And then, because it works for me now, like if I have all day to write, I'm not going to write. But if I know I need to write and be done by 2 o'clock because I have to, after 2 o'clock, I open my afternoons up, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like I would still need that structure. Like, oh, I have to 
you know, oh. have blocks of time for stuff. That is so interesting. Um, the secret I will tell you is that um, those of us who are at home writing full-time don't write full-time either. I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> look, on days when I have to get my word count done because I have to be somewhere, I'm, it seems to be quite effective, but most days I putter around. It takes me like 10 hours to write like three words. Um, and in the meantime, laundry, I mean, like lots of stuff happens, Facebook, yes. who knows, yes. but um, there's no... I don't know if the human brain, I'm going to be honest. I mean, there, okay. There's always going to be some outlier, you know, people who write 20,000 words. I don't know how they do it. I, I, one day I'll yeah. figure it out, but I don't know if the human brain can sit down and do that sort of output. We're not machines. Um, so I right. think that that's the hard part and what you do to fill the well on the other side or give the left brain, the workout on the other side is the other thing. So I mean, different people do different things. I have other things I do, you know, like I'm like needing like, you know, this pattern and I have to count and all this. So then I can freely have the other part of my brain work. But I do think that for most people, there's a balance. So whether or not that's paid employment or whatever it is, they do have something else to engage the other part of their brain so that when they sit down to do the creativity, they can. Yeah, that I'm definitely going to need the the something else now. How How involved it is, you know, we shall see, but I do know that um, it'll be nice to make it to 50 and be able to have all the, you know, like you said, the pension and oh. all that jazz, but <laughs> still. and I also view it as I can go do whatever I want to do. Right. Like I could go be a barista at Starbucks if I want right. to, I can be whatever I want. And so that's, that's kind of how I'm viewing it is I can write, but I can do whatever I want and have a whole new set of experiences that hopefully will help with my creativity right. more. That's kind of, that's my romantic view of what that is going to look like. It may be true, but it may take some, you know, uh, some finessing to get it to be exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll ask you this last question um, that I, I often ask people, I mean, I'd ask everyone because who knows, I don't remember, but ha okay. Like 25 plus whatever books in do you have a sense of a certain theme or story that you're trying to tell or some, something that's a common thread throughout your entire, um, um, little, your entire book catalog? Um, I was having those thoughts when I kind of started saying that I write sexy, messy, emotional romances. Oh. And I noticed a, a, a theme across a lot of my books is, imperfect characters I do not like perfect characters <laughs> and so I try from the very beginning to write stories that reflect um what you may see in your coworker or your family or things like that I want I want to explore emotions and relationships and I want to explore the ones that are messy and not perfect and show that those people still deserve love or still can find a way despite all of the other weird crazy stuff that may be going on or, or, or things that people may not agree with going on in the relationship I, so I think that's one of my big things is that I always wanted to write human black people like regular old black folks who just like live in their lives and they may make mistakes and they may not have it all perfect and polished um but they make it work. And so I think that's why I did push back with the, yes, he's a professional player and he's got two different kids' mothers because mm -hmm. he made mistakes when he was younger. 
but that doesn't take away from him still being a good father and being deserving of love. Or, yes, her best friend um, betrayed her for a selfish reason. But guess what? This is a real legit thing. I, I had this conversation with somebody. This These are feelings. So if, if there's somebody else out there, one of my readers may have felt that or observed that. And so, and they found a way to try to work through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's my theme is that, you know, they're not going to be perfect because life isn't perfect. People aren't perfect. No. <laughs> um, but that still doesn't mean we aren't deserving of um of love and happiness. I totally agree. You have no idea how I agree so much with that. Um, so with that, I want to say thank you so, so much for doing this interview. I'm so delighted to get to talk to you. Um, I've been following your career you since go. the beginning. Um, I feel the same. It's like since Crimson and, and when you emailed, I was like, uh, yeah, it only took me so long to reply because a stupid day job. I didn't check my email for a while. <laughs> 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 no worries. I may have emailed you before I traveled and then I travel and then I have jet lag. And then I'm like, oh, I, should, I didn't check my t- email today. I'm going to get into it. My son makes fun of me because he was like, and you're always traveling. Like I need short life one day. Like, <laughs> That's what I do with my left brain. Like right now I'm thinking about going to Iceland and I'm like, but the logistics of getting there from Los Angeles is more complicated than, than, than apparently San Francisco or something else. So then I'm like, they're like, oh, we can book on two different airlines. And all I can think of is, but then I have to get my luggage and then roll it across somewhere else. Exactly. Right. I was just like, so, so this is like where my brain is now. Like, what are the logistics of doing this so that I don't lose my luggage or my sanity? Um, right. But no, no worries. Thank you so, so much. And I will follow you. And you know, I'm going to go like download the women's fiction books right at this moment. <laughs> this, this is apparently how my, my afternoon is going to be spent. Um, I thank you in advance. And I, I actually, I just read the um, yesterday. I don't know. Some, there's so much. I went biking and then I did something else. But then yesterday I read the first of your ghost hunter series. Um, I have a lot of thoughts awesome. about good looking men with dimples, but we'll just get back to that some other time. Um, <laughs> I, as do I. I was like, <laughs> and they're based off, like, loosely based off of the ghost books. So I was like, I might have got to write these dudes in a book. But anyway. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, but then I was like, oh, in a special edition. So that's that's how yesterday went. I was like, thank God the library has this amazingly thing for me instantaneously. I'm so thrilled. Yes. Um, Thank you, library. Thank you. But now I'm going to go um, download the other books. So <laughs> anyway, so that's how my afternoon is going to go. I hope your, um, I know you're in a different time zone. Um, your evening includes writing, but I do want to thank you so much for this. And I want to say that I'm so delighted with your success and your writing. I love it when you're like, find your books like in Target or whatever, Walmart or whatever. And I'm like, look at her. It's just, it's so exciting for me. Um, it just makes me incredibly like proud and warm, fuzzy feelings. Um, so um, I know I never comment because I'm not that person, but I'm like, I am so happy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just sitting at home and look how happy I am. And then, then I go about my day. Um, so thank you for that. Continue doing what you're doing. And thank you so much for speaking with me and all of my listeners. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. If you ever want me to come back and just chat about whatever, always willing. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been a time to thrill with me, your host, Amy Austin. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It will help others to find and enjoy my conversations with brilliant women creators. 
Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. In addition to hosting this podcast, I am also the author of the Nicole Long series of legal thrillers. The first three books in the Nicole Long series are now live. You can download Outcry Witness, Major Crimes, and Without Consent to your e-reader right now. The fourth book in the new series, The Murders Began, is available for pre-order wherever you get your books. I am also the author of the Casey Quit series of legal thrillers. These titles are available wherever books are sold, your local library, and also an audiobook. You can also find this podcast on Facebook at A Time to Thrill. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back with you soon with more great conversations.